help support your local businesses, whether they are your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you are there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. My name is Christopher Kidd. I am here in Seattle. Mike is actually down in Atlanta. You can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. Mike, man, how are you doing down there? Well, I'm a little tired, uh, but it was definitely worth uh, making the trip down here. It was great being here, even though there was no fans and we didn't get locker room access. It really was a different. There's just a different feel covering a game when you're there, man. You can just feel the dominance is really felt, you know. Or and the poor play is felt too. Like every little element of the game uh, is, uh, is 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 really like clear. But I have bad news for you, Chris. Um, I am recording the podcast from my hotel room. I am not at Magic City. <laughs> I regret to inform you. I, I am probably not going to go to Magic City. I'm going to finish this podcast, finish my morning after, and then I'm going to take my black butt to sleep before my flight at 7 a.m. For everyone wondering what's Mike talking about, he's not at Magic City. Well, off wax, I told Mike, hey, man, what you should do is go to the strip club, a.k.a. Magic City, and you should record the podcast in one of those private rooms. And he was like, nah, man, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do all that. So that's what he was referring to when he just mentioned, no, Chris, I'm not at magic city. But before we talk some football, we do want to talk about social injustice and what the players in the NFL, but more what the Seahawks are doing and what is going on with that today. If you guys didn't get a chance to listen to the post game between with Russell Wilson or Jamal Adams, Russ basically touched on the fact that he has a daughter and kind of compared it to what to the situation with Breonna Taylor. And then Jamal Adams, he was repping Trayvon Martin today. And I'll let Mike pretty much take it away from what he got from those messages and just listening to the post game. Go ahead, Mike. You know, there was a really concerted effort to like have social justice be part of the presentation of the game. That cost the NFL. They played the Black National Anthem. Uh, before the game, and all uh, both teams stood on uh, opposite goal lines and locked arms, and uh, I think I, don't, I didn't watch the Falcons sideline, but the Seahawks kind of was like a free for all when the when the regular national anthem uh, came on. A lot of guys sat, a lot of guys stood, a lot of guys stayed in the locker room, and I mean honestly, that's that's kind of how it should be, and it should have always been. No one should feel forced to stand, no one should feel forced to kneel, no one should feel forced to sit, no one should feel forced to stand with a raised fist, like Jamal Adams did. 
Um, at the at the top of the game, they, they kicked off, but uh, after Jason Myers kicked it, all 22 players took a knee after the kickoff. Um, I It was a first. I thought that was largely unnecessary, um, but it, it is what it is. I thought the most important thing, though, was the effort. I understand the effort. I know these guys aren't going to always get it right. They're not activists. They're football players. They're doing um, what they can. But I thought the best part of what they what they did was after the game. Because I think we talked about this on this show before. The protest Colin Kaepernick had was his voice. It wasn't just that he sat for the anthem. It was why. Him explaining why. Because I think I've used this example before. If he just sat for the anthem and then came in his postgame, like, hey, why'd you sit? He's like, well, I'm against... Uh, I'm against breast cancer. I'm trying to raise awareness for animal rights or autism, something that everyone kind of socially agrees with. No one would have cared that he sat during the anthem. I don't believe he wouldn't have became this polarizing figure. It was the, it was his words. And after the game, I made sure to make that part of the conversation. I asked Russell Wilson, what uh, a victim of racism he had on his helmet decal. And he said, Breonna Taylor, uh, you know, and I asked him why, and I was genuinely curious as to why he chose Brianna, and he said, like you alluded to, Chris, well, he's a father of a daughter, right, he's a girl dad, and, you know, he's, it's created a level of empathy um, that it doesn't sound like he had uh, before, maybe it's a lot stronger uh, now, not to say he lacked empathy, I, it, I would imagine it's just different when you see and, he, and read about uh, police violence against black women when you have, when you, you know, father a black woman, right, so... I thought that was really important for us to, to talk about because keep, that keeps it in the conversation. We can't forget about it just because touchdowns are great and West played great. I mean, that's why we're starting the show with it now. So you remember, this is what this is about. Uh, you know, we're, we're this is bigger bigger than football, and it should it, that should be at the forefront of the public consciousness, I think. And I was really glad that Russ took the time to give us a big spiel. Um, he read some Bible verses, which, I mean, do what you got to do. Um, thought that was just him just caring enough he prepared the bible verses like he wanted to keep that at the at the forefront of the public consciousness and i think that's really really important jamal adams the same way you know i asked jamal adams you know who did he have on his helmet call he said um was it the call or decal am i saying this word wrong chris damn you put me on the spot i'm pretty sure you're saying it right with decal with the call decal either way yeah whatever people know what i'm talking about exactly anyway um you know, he's, I said, why did you choose uh, Trayvon Martin for your for, for your helmet? He um, he talked about just the impact that that had and why that was so such a tragic uh, tragic moment and why it had an impact on him. He said that one and uh, that uh, that wasn't a police killing. Obviously, George Zimmerman's not a cop, but that killing and Alton Sterling, who I believe was the man who was outside of a convenience store in Baton Rouge, I believe got killed in 2016. I think that was while Jamal was still at LSU. So that that he that really like hit home for him and, and stuck, and so and, you know and him just even talking about that and why he raised a fist, you know he said I'm a proud black man and he, and he always will be. I think those are the things that these guys can do in addition to do, doing stuff in their community. But when you have that platform and you and you you normalize talking about your black life mattering or Brianna's life mattering or your daughter's life mattering or whoever's life mattering, when you normalize it, when getting asked about those things. Is just as common as getting asked about touchdowns or sacks or whatever. I think then we'll get to a better place, right? Because then these sticks to sports uh, assholes can just go, you know, go lay in a ditch somewhere. Like this is going to be part of the conversation. And instead of the gestures and the T-shirts and slogans or whatever, which are all fun, they're not harmful. I think the most powerful thing we can have is their voice. And I- I'm glad 
I was able to ask those questions to get those answers for them. And I think Bob Condota of the Seattle Times also asked the question to get that out. Because it also just can't be me, the only black guy on the Zoom. Well, I guess Ben Arthur, PIs on there too. So, I mean, it just can't be us though, right? Like everyone has to feel that this is important to talk about and write about. Um, so I thought that was, that was honestly my favorite part of the day was hearing two black men just talk about being black and what that means to them. Thank you, man. Yeah, that's exactly what it, what I, how I want to start this show because, again, you mentioned that we should always try to touch on this subject each episode, and I think you covered it perfectly to start things off. But we also do have a lot of football to cover, and you know what? Let's just go ahead and jump right into it with Russell freaking Wilson, who actually was established, as you like to put it. He went out and he balled. I mean, the ball was in his hands. And he made plays. And that's what Seahawks fans want to see. That's what we all want to see. And I think he did that really well today. He had, what, four incomplete passes through 35 times, four touchdowns, over 300 yards. Talk about watching this game live and how Russ just dominated. Well, I mean, I really felt like, it's going to sound weird, I felt like a proud dad. I really did uh, watching this game. Like, I, I, I sent a note to Brian Schottenheimer after the game. I was like, dude, you you, you did your thing. Like, he, he, he was killing it, man, because this is why I use the term establish the Russ more than I use let Russ cook. I mean, it's effectively the same rally cry, but I really have said this on the show before. It is about when Russ throws. you got to come out of the gate establishing your best player and work backwards from there. Use your pass to set up the run or whatever. Use your pass to just kick their ass. Like, you know, it doesn't really matter what you use the pass for as long as you're using it when you have a player as good as Russell. When you have a team built like, I don't know, Chris, who's a team that maybe should, you know, get the run set? Maybe like the Ravens, right? Or, or a team that's quarterback isn't as dynamic but has a really good run game. I can't think off the top of my head. Maybe, maybe a team like the Giants. I don't know. But... Like you use that use use your best weapon first. Like that, think about that, Chris. It's so obvious. Use your best weapon first. <laughs> Duh. Your best weapon is not Chris Carson. I love Chris. He's not your best player, right? Like it's when you when the ball was in Russ's hands, you actually get real balance. How many how many different people caught a ball from Russ today, Chris? What like nine? Let's think about it. DK Tyler, Chris Carson, David Moore. Greg Olson, Freddie Swain, Jacob Hollister. Did Disley make a catch? He did. Yep, he had two. And Travis Homer. So that's definitely – that's like ten. I think that's nine. Yeah, nine or ten. Right. So you got nine dudes. Um, you got nine dudes who caught a pass. That's one from uh, – a guy from every position group caught a touchdown. Right? Unless you want to count the O-line, but they're not really eligible receivers. So, yeah, every play, uh, one player from every skill position group caught a touchdown. Uh, right, they were slinging it all over the place. They were really efficient. Russ was 31 of 35 for 322 yards, four touchdowns. He had as many incompletions as he did touchdowns. Excuse me. And I think what two of those were drops, and one of those was batted at the line. Like Russ was on it. Russ was really on it today, man. And you see what happened. The Falcons were like, "Oh damn, what do we do? Like we have to keep, we have to keep up." You know, like they, you, you can tell they weren't really ready for Russ to be slinging it like that. And when you diversify. Um, the game, you really get your offense, that is, you really get actual balance. Like Mike Leach, a former Wazoo coach, used to talk about that a lot. Balance is not handing it to one guy 25 times and throwing it 25 times. That's ridiculous. You, you know, you're putting the ball in one guy's hand at a much larger percentage of your snaps. 
the diversity in your offense and, and balance is this, is getting it to DK eight targets and Tyler eight targets and Chris Carson six targets. Uh, and Chris Carson got, what, nine total touches. You know, DK got eight uh, targets. Russ, uh, Tyler had eight catches on eight targets. Like, getting everyone, you know, involved, Carlos Hyde had seven touches. That's, like, actual balance to me. And I, I it feels like the light bulb went on for these guys. It, Pete Carroll made it seem like this would been the plan all offseason. <laughs> and it really sounds like they sat there in the Zooms all offseason. It was like, guys, we're going to cook. This is what's going to be. We're going to sit down. We're going to do it. I don't know if Pete, the light bulb came on, or if Shadi was like, dude, just let me, let me handle this. Or if Russ was like, okay, both of you guys shut up and listen to me because <laughs> I'm in charge here. Look at me. I'm the captain now. I don't know what it was. Maybe I have to dig and write the story about it. But it, it, it happened. Right? And it's and it's it, it's repeatable as well, and it worked. Pete has this tendency to um, – he has this tendency to learn the wrong lessons from things. Like he sees something good and then – doesn't learn what he should to like take it into the next situation. He sees something bad and learns the wrong thing and applies it poorly. All he has to do when he's watching the plane right now, or he's watching the film on the plane, is look at the tape and say, let's do this every week. This should be our plan every week. Start with Russ and work backwards. And I thought it was just, just beautiful, man. The pre-snap motion, um, the uh, just throwing it to DK and man coverage, uh, getting Tyler on the crosses. Uh, a lot of play action, a lot of screen. You texted me about the screens like two minutes into the game. That was like the best part. <laughs> I know it was for me. It was just like maybe they're listening. I'm not saying they're listening to us, but they're understanding that it takes more than just we're gonna ground it and pound it for three and a half quarters, and then we're gonna try to get the passing game going. And as you mentioned, the Seahawks have one of the best playmakers in the league. Why not give him an opportunity? every time to create for your team and it just opens up everything else as you mentioned with touches in regards to the team nine different players were making an impact on the game that's what you want that's what makes a team a Super Bowl contender that's what makes a team one of the best having everyone being a valuable asset and if the Seahawks can continue this it's going to be really interesting to see how things unfold as the postseason. Once the postseason gets here, I would say. But to your point, I mean, man, it was it was nice seeing them open up the playbook and not just being stuck on. Yeah, we're just going to stick to giving Chris Carson the ball eighteen to twenty times. I mean, Chris Carson today, he had six rushes, <laughs> but. They said, we're going to throw you the ball, which you saw with the screens. He had two receiving touchdowns. That is something that we I haven't seen from him to start a season ever. And to see it start this season, that just says, oh, man, he's going to have a really good season. I mean, he's going to be able to run the ball effectively. And then he's also catching out of the backfield, and they're drawing up plays for him. That just creates a whole new dynamic that teams have to prepare for. Because in recent years, you weren't thinking about Chris Carson coming out of the backfield. Could he do it? Correct. Yes, he could definitely do it. But that wasn't in the game plan. You weren't coming in saying, ooh, yeah, Chris Carson, he had two screens for two touchdowns. Or he had a, excuse me, one screen for a touchdown and one it was a play fake to him and they just dumped it off, you know, at the goal line for a three-yard touchdown, things of that nature. Now teams are going to have the game plan for it and that opens up for a Carlos Hyde to come down and be a bruising back. That takes a lot of pressure off Chris Carson. It's all coming to fruition and I enjoyed it. And you know what else I enjoyed, Mike? 
I enjoy What's Jamal. That? I enjoy Jamal freaking Adams. I tweeted twice. The first tweet, I was just like, he's everywhere. And then I had to tweet it again because he continued to be everywhere. It wasn't, I mean, he was everywhere. He ended the day with 10 solo tackles and two assists. I feel like he had more than that, if you ask me. I feel like they missed a few stats on that because he was literally in every single play. Tackles for loss, he was there. Blowing up things, he was there. He even got a sack. The Seahawks only had two sacks today, Benson Mayoa and Jamal Adams. But for the most part, I was just really impressed because although I didn't get to, I wasn't at training camp this year, and I, I didn't get to see the things you just mentioned in regards to just what you, well, actually, actually off wax we talked about it before we get to Twitter questions, but off wax we talked about Jamal Adams just being everywhere during training camp. Well, he was everywhere today, and if you weren't at training camp, you got to see it. I want to, I want to, I want to add one more thing on Russ real quick before yep. we get into Jamal. I think. I think the breakdown is I, I counted it by hand, and I'm sure there's somebody with the advanced number already. Maybe Ben Baldwin has the exact already, but I think Russ dropped back 40 times. Mm. Like if you count sacks, count sacks. Um, I think he had one scramble uh, taken back by a holding call, um, and he I think he scrambled for like two yards on one play. So a couple scrambles. Uh, the run play he had was just a design run. So I think they had 40 dropbacks compared to 18. Uh, design runs that's that's the tally i had that pete carroll ran that damn air raid today like it wasn't it, it wasn't like a typical spread it out like thing but it, oh man it was very kansas city like today like you look at these numbers these are what these are what kansas city's numbers look like mahomes killing it the running backs getting involved mostly in the passing game while still running it to keep the defense like honest and then that's like putting up really crazy numbers like i think today this We'll have to see. I don't want to fully overreact to one game, but I think this this may go down as like the off season that changes that changes Seahawks football, right? Because if this is gonna if Pete Carroll is gonna be cool with this type of run pass ratio in a game they had a lead in too, like it didn't like they just started pounding the rock once they got up to it through scores. They were still throwing it. If he's cool with this ratio and like he can live with himself, like that is going to be huge. That's a game changer. The, uh, I think the homie over at Field Goals. Um, he wrote today that like the, the the ceiling of this team has increased, and he's right. If the Seahawks can play like this, their ceiling is a Super Bowl. Before it it wasn't with the establish the run thing. Now now it is, I think, and that's this this could be the moment that like Seahawks football as we know it really changes. All right, now give me some love for Jamal Adams, man. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we got we got to give got to give Jamal some love. So, so Jamal Adams. It was so, it was so hard, so so hard not to just like tweet everything he was doing during training camp because it looked just like this, right? Like, I think I think I the one thing we did tweet was like he had a pick six against Russ his first uh, snap of I think uh, full pads I think it was, and I remember thinking like I think we talked about it on the show like dude it took like the dude fifteen minutes to prove why they traded first round picks for him. And I mean, Chris, now you guys see it. I just, that's, and that was another like proud dad moment. More, maybe less proud dad of like, finally the secret's out. Like, I was so happy for everyone else to see Jamal play like that. Cause you can just see the difference. You see like these TFLs, man, that he was getting like, these are, these are hard tackles. That like, he's a really good tackler against the run. He, he handles the flat really well. He anticipates plays really well. I think I had a tweet where I was like, man, I can't imagine drawing up a play, thinking it's going to work, being really confident in it, having repped it a bunch, and then Jamal just screws it all up. 
Like, <laughs> that happened a few times out there, and I think that's going to happen all year. Now, I don't think it translated to a very productive day for the secondary as a whole, and that's a maybe a larger issue that we'll have to see uh, develop over the, the course of the season. But just, just Jamal in a vacuum, right? Like, they missed an impact player on the back end like that. And it's really important that I think he's a, a strong safety because he can be around and make more plays. That's why Bradley McDougal would always tell me that he wants to be a strong safety, not the free safety, because you have more opportunities, you know, to make plays. Like, Quandre had the only turnover of the day, I believe. But, you know, who was everyone talking about? It's Jamal, right? Because he was making plays at every level of the defense. Like you mentioned, passing, pass breakups. I think he got there early on the two-point, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> pass breakups. uh Stopping the run, stopping the pass. Like, he, he had their first sack. Like, that is everything that he did today I saw on camp at least once. Everything. Yeah. It, all. it was It was just, I was just waiting for y'all to, to see it. You know, it warmed my heart, actually, to to see that. You know, not just because I feel like, feel like Jamal's a good cat. But it's just, this is, this is what we were trying to, this is why we were so pissed we couldn't, like, fully live tweet camp. Because we wanted to tell y'all the secret. Like, yo, 33 is out here killing it. And I think even Matt Ryan admitted after the game, like, yo, they were, I've never seen the Seahawks use a safety like that. It's like, nah, because they ain't never had a safety like that. As great as Cam and Earl were, they, they weren't that. It's just different. Not better or worse. It's just, it's just different. And when you have someone who can just fly all over the field like that, man, like every, every, every Thursday of practice for every Seahawks opponent should be dedicated to Jamal Adams' preparation. <laughs> it's just like, he's that deadly. All right. I know it's tough times for a lot of folks out there. But if you want to save a little bit of cash, $50 is more affordable than any other cable providers. With the NFL season around the corner, FUBU.TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FUBU.TV backslash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FUBU.TV backslash athletic. Start your first month today. Yeah, I remember talking about, hey, the Seahawks made a trade for this guy. I want him. I want to see him blitzing. I want to see him being moved around. I don't want him playing in the same spot for four quarters. And the Seahawks, off the jump, had him pressuring, had him coming up, making plays, going up against running backs, making plays, tackle for losses. I mean, he was everywhere. And this is why you trade for someone like a Jamal Adams, because he is capable of doing all the things and then, and then more. And it's just going to be exciting as as the season goes on to see what else they do with him because today he was just phenomenal. I mean, we were talking off wax about who who had the better game, Russell or Jamal. And to your point, yeah, you know what? I would give it to Russ because of it, ultimately he dominated and unfortunately the defense really didn't hold up their end of the bargain. They gave up over 400 yards. I mean, Matt Ryan was just – he was pretty good for pretty much all day and then – Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley got loose for 287 yards on 18 catches. I mean, of course, there are things the Seahawks can work on, but I was impressed by Russell Wilson and Jamal Adams. But I do want to touch on something that I still think is a work in progress, but I'm hoping it comes to fruition quicker than it did last season, and that's the pass rush because today they only had two sacks, but I do think the energy was there. I feel like they were active. I just also think that... Matt Ryan had a really good day, and sometimes that's what happens. And it was it's week one. I don't want to make it seem as if, oh, I'm coming down on the pass rush week one. But I, I did see flurries where I was like, okay, there is definitely 
an opportunity for this team to be good with the passers, with, with what they have. And there's room for improvement. And if they're going to blitz, I mean, who knows what happens there? Because we saw Jamal Adams get a sack, and we saw Benson Mayo make a huge play with the sack. What were your thoughts on today and the pass rush? You know, as we as we record right now, I'm trying to get a feel for what the pressure numbers were. I think Pro Football Focus will have something. But I feel like, uh, yeah, someone just sent me a note that uh, looks like next-gen stats have Matt Ryan getting pressured on 14 percent of his dropbacks uh eight quarterback hits uh just allowing two pressures that can't be right because there was there was multiple multiple pressures pressure numbers are really subjective uh i think it's kind of it's kind of hard to to figure out um but i i thought it wasn't as good as it needed to be for sure that's why uh, matt ryan tore tore it up part of it part of the numbers for matt ryan too where they're in a lot of prevent defense uh, because they were up so much. I think we've seen that in recent games. It was a combination of things, I think. Two things. Here's why Matt Ryan threw for 450 yards. Here's my dissertation, if you guys are ready. It's a good word. I've never used dissertation on the show before, because um, I think the two-minute defense is bad. Uh, I think it has been for a while now and will continue to be. I think a really good example was the, um, what was that? The Rams game in week five last year, where Jared Goff went up, up the field twice, and almost beat them because they had a never kick situation. They ended up winning, but I think it, that really was a game where I was like, "Man, their two minute defense is bad." And also, week one it was bad last year, uh, and Dalton was moving the ball too for four hundred yards. So I think that's part one. Part two, their prevent defense is, gives up a lot of yards. It doesn't necessarily always yield a lot of points. Today it did actually. Like today wasn't bend don't break. It was just it was just break. Like I think uh, Calvin Ridley scored. On two after two long drives each time, like two seventy-five yard drives, they ended up scoring uh, touchdowns. Like I don't think it was a bend and not break. They broke uh, today. Thankfully, Russ was 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 breaking them on the other side, so it worked out. But those are the two reasons, and those are problems. And I think it's not just the secondary. It's not just the pass. It's everybody. It's all as a whole. I think they should change two things. And I, it's not just based off this game. I've kind of thought this for a while. I think their dime package that they have, Chris, is really just a, a good idea that does not get executed well. I don't, I don't think. Because here's the thing. I might have said this on the show. But let me know if I have already, Chris. The Legion of Boom always had like a weak spot. Um, it always had like the, uh, the right cornerback was usually like, oh, okay, we're just going to throw it at him because he's not Sherm, he's not Early, he's not Cam, he's not Bobby, he's not KJ. You know, that's, we're going to make him the target, right? Capital T. This unit with Dunbar, Shaq, uh, Quandre, and Jamal doesn't necessarily have that. I don't even necessarily think Marquise has proven himself to be like the target. The problem with Dime is there is a target, and it's my man Lano. Yep, my guy. But I think, as we saw in the Green Bay game in the playoffs, and actually, I mean, we saw this with Ugo as well uh, in that Green Bay game. When there is that guy. That's where the ball is going, and especially on third downs when you're playing a lot of man coverage, there's not really much you can do other than get there on the pass rush. Either either the pass rush has to get home, or that guy has to. Your defender has to win his one-on-one matchups. These quarterbacks are too good. Your receivers are too fast. The 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 rules are stacked in their favor way too much um, that you just can't rely on that consistently. I think Delano had a good play today to uh, force punt, um, but in general. The good quarterbacks are going to see that, okay, when they go in the 60-D formation, let's find 42 and throw it at him, for better or worse. 
you know, and I don't think those numbers will bear out in Seattle's favor. So I think that that's something they just got to give up on. I yeah. Think. Seriously. No, I they got to give up on the dime package. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from completely because there were times where Leno was definitely mixed up and it just didn't work out for him. Things were not going his way. And that it it is what it is. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to deviate from dime or try to make it better and fix some fix have a few adjustments with that. So we haven't done this in a while. It's been a minute, but it's one of our favorite things to do, and that's take Twitter questions. And boy, do we have a bunch. Mike, are you ready for this? Yes, and I will say this beforehand. This is still my favorite part of the show, guys. And Chris, I I, I saw we had so many questions that I tried. To, I suggested to Chris that maybe we should just pick the best ones. Um, and read those. But Chris was like, nope, we love these guys too much. Let's answer all of them. Just try to keep it succinct. And you know what? He's right. So let's, we're going to get to all of them. Let's roll. This is the athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. How is this bend-don't-break defense different from previous years? Yeah, it's not. It, 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 it's not. Like, they're going to – it's the same thing. I never liked it then, and I don't like it now. It's, it's, it's got to be fixed. I don't think it's even just a pass rush, man. Like I said, it's the dime package. It's their nickel. The nickel package wasn't even great today either. They were playing off. Uh, Shaq gave up some passes. Dunbar gave up some big passes. Like it just—it was not a clean day um, for the whole for the whole secondary. I think this is the same old kind of philosophy of Ben don't break. But it was—it was a really bad day because Matt Ryan's good. He's got probably what is that the best receiver tandem in in, in the league with Ridley and Julio? Maybe it's up there. We talked about it with Tory. We we broke down you know the top five for the most part. I definitely have them in the conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are really good. Uh, Julio and Ridley's really good. What did, what did Julio, you told me before we recorded, what did Julio and Ridley go for? 287, you said? Yeah, 18 catches for 287. And two touchdowns, both from Ridley? Yeah, man, no, nah, that's, those are nasty, man. You can't do that against, like, teams with good, maybe next week against the England because they got scrubs, but <laughs> not against not against good teams. Like, don't you can't do that type of stuff against someone like Dallas. CD Lamb and Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper you to death. Like, nah, you can't, you can't do that. What did you think of Russ's throw on fourth down to DK for that touchdown? Also, do you think this game was a sign that hashtag let Russ cook movement is happening this season? 
Always love your work, guys, and looking forward to listening to the next episode. Appreciate the love. Um, I think yeah, I'm com- I feel like this is the breakthrough that it's going to be this all year. I don't. I that doesn't mean it's, the numbers are going to be this good, but I do think that a, a flip may a switch may have been flipped just by the just the sense I get. Like this is this is the way. Like I think this is the way. Um, but uh, what was the first part of that? What did you think of Russ's throw on fourth down to DK for the touchdown? Oh, I think I've seen. I feel like I've seen that play before. As daring as impressive as it was that they went for it on fourth, someone's uh, maybe we should go Jack and do this uh, later. But I'm pretty sure that's the same play that won the Carolina game in 2018 to David Moore. I want to say that's the same, the same uh, touchdown play. I'm not sure, but that was also one on fourth down. I, I think as well. But yeah, I thought, I thought it was impressive. That's what I saw all camp. Throw it to DK and man coverage. There's about there's like five dudes I trust against DK Metcalf from the defensive coordinators. Jalen Ramsey, Richard Sherman, um, uh, who else? Who else? Uh, Tredavious White, Marshawn Lattimore, Stephon, Stephon Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore. Those are probably those are probably the only the only guys I trust uh, against DK consistently one-on-one maybe Patrick Peterson as well but the list the list is short like if DK if, if it's not one of those guys against DK throw it in man coverage point blank period because you had to be careful on your reporting from camp how much of today's game lined up with what you saw but you couldn't report fully on during camp keep killing it yeah I think literally everything. I think the only thing I didn't see in camp was all those screens. But, like, I saw all of those blitzes. I saw all of those uh, go balls to DK. That that's that slant and go, he ran in the fourth. I saw all. Oh, I've seen all these plays. Like, when they say, like, when coaches and players say, like, yeah, no, we're, we're not surprised we do that in practice. Like, no, they're right. I saw all of these things. And I just couldn't, I couldn't wait. I couldn't <laughs> wait. Um, I, I literally saw everything that they did today before. I don't think they ran any play that I didn't already see. Like, no big play, no big hit. Like, even Bobby, some of the big plays he had breaking up stuff. Uh, Quentin Dunbar getting his hand on a ball. Um, who was that? Shaq got his hand on a ball. Like, I, I saw all of these things, man. It was Benson Mayola getting his hand on a ball. That was every, All of that looked like practice. Even them giving up yards, too, looked like practice. Because Russ has some days where he carved them up, too. So, this today looked like practice in a good way. Perfect. This one's going to make you chuckle. What's more likely to happen first? Seahawks bring in quality, bring in a quality defensive tackle for help or me getting verified? <laughs> uh, probably you getting verified, man. I don't, and I just don't think there's quality defensive tackles out there, you know, on the free agent market in September. There's like some guys that would be like back, solid backups, but like, I, I don't know why everyone's obsessed with like having a, not everyone. There's a lot of people obsessed with the idea of, like, Seattle needs another defensive tackle because it'll, like, change the world. No, it'd be nice to have, like, you know, uh, what's his name, Tim Jernigan or whatever, or, like, uh, Damon Harrison. Like, it'd be nice to have those guys, but there's some backups, right? They'd be, they'd be backups to, like, Kona and Gary. And backups matter to some extent, but I feel like people think that, like, that's the piece that'll make them, like, the Super Bowl team. And it's like, no, man. Backup defensive tackle, man. You might, like get like five pressures all year you know like it'll probably help the run defense a little bit i'm just not like holding my breath for that you know what i mean 
Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Next up, is Demontre Moore a better rusher defensive end than Alton Robinson? And doesn't look like it could be much worse after watching the game, but no pressure on Matty Ice, really. Defense was better with youth rather than going with safe older players. Um, I'm not sure why Alton Robinson was, was the scratch. I mean, I wouldn't have minded either way if it was Alton or if it was Demontre. I mean, somebody had to be. They're, they're pretty healthy as a team. Um, I think of the, what, they had six inactive guys and how many were hurt. I think Cedric, Phillip, um, that might have been it of the guys who didn't didn't suit up. So some yeah, the, some guys are gonna have to be scratches. Maybe they just didn't feel the rookies were ready. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that one, so I asked asked Pete. Uh, but yeah, that, that sucks for Alton, man. He probably could have made a difference. He will though. He'll get a shot this year. I realized they were playing Julio Jones, but the cornerbacks were getting beat by all the receivers all day. Are you concerned? What happened? Also, number 68, did Afedi steal that jersey and play today? <laughs> hey, man, Damian Lewis is a rookie, man. You got to cut him a little bit of a little bit of slack with Damian Lewis, number 68. So, to be fair, like Russ mentioned, the last time Damian Lewis played a football game, it was the national championship. And that's, that's, that's probably, in terms of, like, the stakes, that's probably higher than, like, a week one regular season game. Like, think about it man like the national championship for lsu that's a big deal um cut, cut my guy damien some uh some slack here uh for, oh i think i think we kind of addressed the, why the defense gave him so many yards uh today i mean i i think it'll be better next week uh but we'll we'll, we'll see but yeah that was definitely definitely a problem i bet Pete carroll's on the plane like jesus christ man we were getting toasted was not able to watch the whole game but was the d-line able to get consistent pressure if yes, can you see that continuing, or is Atlanta's off O line was it just that bad? Um, no, I didn't think there was enough pressure today. I didn't notice enough guys. Like you can usually, you can usually tell um, just based on whether it's the QB hit numbers or just like the feel of the game. Like I didn't feel Bruce today really. Um, I didn't really feel JV today. I felt LJ like once. You know, it is rest pass rushers. So I don't think it was enough. It definitely wasn't consistent. They got to him a couple times, obviously, uh, but it, it definitely was not. It definitely was not enough. It needs to be better. Like the questions we had about the team going in, we still we still have coming out of the game. Which of these players coming back do you think will give the biggest boost to the team? Dorsett, Flash, or D Taylor? The guy who has a nickname. <laughs> People call you Flash, man. You. <laughs> You, you that dude, man. No, Josh is good. I don't know when he'll come back, if ever. But man, if he does, then adding him to this will only adding him to this with an offense that's that's spreading it around. Oh man, that's some scary stuff. Perfect. Always enjoy the show, especially after a win. I have no idea how to judge O line play at all. What did you think? I don't know how to judge O line play either, man. I just <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not an O line expert. Um, but I will say this: I don't think I know. No one was like noticeably bad, and that's usually like a good sign right there. Like no one, like I think the first sack was no one's fault. You know, they they tacked, sniffed it out. It was perfect. Um, I think the second, maybe the, the third sack might have been someone's fault. I think Grady Jarrett might have looped around, and that was someone's responsibility to pick up 
one of those sacks, though, it was just on Russ. Like that, he, he just held it too long. He had, I think, Tyler open, just didn't throw it. Sack. Like I, I, I think that was, I think that one was on Russ. It's just one of those games where um, the old line, I think, actually was solid protecting Russ. Now, run blocking, I do not think they were very good today. Not at all. The run numbers were not were not good. Like they got some first downs, I think, maybe uh, here and there running the ball, but I don't think in general their numbers were anywhere near where Pete would want to be. And I bet you when he uh, looks back at the tape, too, he's going to be like, Jesus, we were not moving the rock uh, the way we needed to, um, you know, on the ground. I knew Jamal Adams was good, but did you guys realize he was, in all caps, that good? I was cursing under my breath nearly every play. Well, I mean, I've I've talked about it, Chris, because I saw him at camp. Did you? Knowing he was that good, like, did, did you watch a lot of Jets stuff to know that he would be coming out like this? To be honest, I did not watch enough Jet tape to know how great he was, but based off of everything I was reading and highlights about him, I figured he was really good, but he showed to be more than really good. He was great. Yeah, no, he's, he, he's that dude. <laughs> that dude, literally. All right. Are the Seahawks the NFC favorite? Should we be concerned about the secondary, mainly Dunbar and Shaquille? Um, I don't, I don't think there's, I wouldn't say concern yet, because I think part of it was two elements that I don't think, like those are really like isolated parts of the game, um, is your dime package and your um, your uh, two minute two minute defense. I mean, those are important, but I, I think you can ditch the dime package if need be. And I do think that the off coverage really wasn't to the strengths of this team. That's the weird thing about a Pete Carroll team, too. Like, he loves his guys getting physical and getting on the uh, getting guys on the line of scrimmage. And then, like, when it's time to really put the game away, he's like, all right, now back up. It's like, what? Why would you? That's why your guys do a problem. They're not used to that. Right? Like, I don't, I, don't, I think he's, he's, he's misguided in that regard. So I'm not sure if I've seen enough to be fully concerned. Because, like, like I said, they looked like this week one last year and, uh, Shaq went on to go have a really good year, and I think he will uh, again this year too. He made a really good, he made a couple good plays uh, today. I don't know how the hell Julio caught that one ball. That was crazy against Shaq. That's just grown men right there. <laughs> is the D line failures talent, scheme, or coaching? Also, is Clint hurt really as good as touted? The blitzes were blocked easily by Atlanta. Um, I, I think it's when you have when you have just like incompetence all over the place. I think it's a combination of things: it's some scheme stuff, it's some personnel stuff, it's some coaching stuff. I don't think um, it's one thing. I'd have to really, really study it, and I'd have to know more about who's doing their job and who's not. Because like Clint Hurt could like have these guys in the right position, but if someone's not in their gap, um, someone doesn't like do what he told them to do, like rush this way or take this advice that he gave them on the sideline, and like who knows, right? So it, it could be a myriad of, of, of things. So uh, I'm going I'm to just say, say all three. DK dropped the pass again. Did you see improvement during training camp? I did. I did. He dropped a couple balls in camp, though. That's, that's a problem. I think that just – I was listening to uh, somebody earlier kind of mention that, like, guys who fumble or, like, have problems with drops, that that's not something they necessarily fix – whether it's a running back or receiver. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case because it's just mental. I think you can fix that. Uh, but 
DK DK should be better, but I can't guarantee it. And I don't even think it's anything he could do physically. Like his technique is fine. Um, his eyes are fine. His hands are fine. He just he whiffs sometimes. He's on the drugs machine after practice every day, and still has that issue. So I'm not sure what he can do other than just like get his mind right on it. Around the NFL, were there? Do you know if there were any shameful Kansas City-like fan reactions in other cities with fans attending today? I think only one other stadium had fans today, right? Wasn't it uh, Jacksonville? Jacksonville the only place that had fans today? To be honest, I do not even know, man. I think that was the I think that was the case. So I I, I don't think we had a reporter at Jacksonville actually because we don't have a Jags writer, I don't believe, and then our Colts guy didn't travel. So I'm not I don't I don't believe so. I'm not sure. Can Russell sustain this play for a whole season? Oh man, Russ isn't gonna throw four touchdowns every week. But he can be efficient every week. He was efficient. He's efficient his whole career, really. So I, yeah, I think Russ could be efficient, but he won't be like this. Cause he won't play the Falcons every week, right? He's gonna play some better defenses. How do you feel about LJ's game today? And how do you feel about the O line? Well, mainly Dam- Damian Lewis. Uh, I thought Damian and the penalties is inexcusable. We can't do that. Simple. Can't get penalties. Simple and plain. I know he's a rookie. I say cut him some slack. But at the end of the day, you're a professional. Get the first game under your belt. You can't have that. I thought that the first play LJ had when he just kind of just threw Matt Ryan down, I was like, yes. Get angry. Um, it didn't translate to a ton of production elsewhere in the pass rush game, but that was like a good first start. But I need to see something. Now it's like, you're not a rookie no more. So I want to see something uh, from you. And they, they all want to see that from themselves, I'm sure. And they'll talk about it on Tell the Truth Monday. They'll, they'll figure it out. But I need them to. Be, I need everybody to be to be better, really, especially at fun. How are your thumbs after live tweeting that game? I didn't realize people thought I was uh, actually tweeting with my hands or my thumbs on my phone during these games. No, I mean I tweet from my computer. That's the fastest way to do it. Otherwise, man, my thumbs would like fall off. <laughs> what Lou will say? Ah, Lou left me on red, man. Maybe that's why I didn't go to uh, Magic City, man. Lou left me on red. Again, we want to thank everyone out there for asking your Twitter questions. We appreciate the love and support. Before we get out of here, though, Mike, it's time for a hot take. Mike, what you got for us, man? Week one, hot takes. Here we go. I, I don't know how hot this is. I don't think I'm watching the Rams kind of uh, finish this game right now. Uh, man, that, that call on Michael Gallup hurt my fantasy team, but... Um, I think uh, I, I think every team in the maybe we talked about this with Jordan before uh, on the preview pod of the Rams. I think every team in this division is going to have a winning record, mm. and I think it's not inconceivable that the Niners finish last, and that's like nine and seven last. Like this, like these guys are going to be good. I think the NFC West is going to beat up on the NFC East and the AFC East a lot. Damn, that's pretty hot, but I also think that's pretty realistic as well. Mike, is there anything you want to add before we shake? No, man. I'm tired as hell. Still got to finish this morning after column. Appreciate you guys and all the questions. That was a lot of questions. A long show today, but uh, like I said, it was definitely worth coming out here in Atlanta, covering the game, seeing Russ Cook live, seeing Jamal Adams get busy live. He didn't look bored today, Chris. No. He did not look bored. Well, again, we want to thank you guys for rocking with us on the 
on another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We appreciate all the love and support. We will catch you guys later this week as we will preview Patriots coming down to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Other than that, we will catch you guys later. We are out. Yeah.